What is up, futurists? Michael here. It's Monday, and you're listening to Our Future, the business podcast for young people. And guess what? Today, we have the best one yet. My next guest is Silicon Valley legend, entrepreneur, investor, podcaster, and marketing guru, Guy Kawasaki, the man who invented the very title of chief evangelist, a position he first held at Apple in the 90s and now holds at Canva, the Sydney-based graphic design firm, which just received a valuation of $6 billion. He's also the host of the Remarkable People podcast, bringing on some truly extraordinary human beings. Guy has authored over 15 books, such as Wise Guy and Art of the Start, and there was a time in his life where he gave 50 to 100 speeches a year around the world. In this interview, Guy walks us through his career, shares some insightful lessons, and provides some amazing career advice to pocket as you look to take on the world. Let's dive in. Guy, when you were 20 years old, did you ever envision yourself being an entrepreneur, an investor, a writer, all these things? Did you ever see it? At 20 years old, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was at Stanford and you know, I had like HP, National Semiconductor Envy. So yeah, I wanted to be a tech entrepreneur. But if the underlying question is, did I know what the hell I wanted in life? The answer to that is definitely no, other than I wanted to be some kind of tech entrepreneur. And also, if the underlying question also means, you know, did you plan your career such that at uh, 46 years later, you'd be, you know, a podcaster and chief evangelist of Canva and having written 15 books and, you know, used to give 50 to 100 speeches a year. Not at all. Not at all. It was there was no sort of long term plan. It just happened as it happened. And you just mentioned podcasting. Let's fast forward to now. In December, you launched Remarkable People. And Guy, I feel like for me, I, sometimes I kind of talk at my guests, but you have this wonderful calm demeanor. <laughs> and what you do, you can get these people to share things, um, you know, just you know, without them even knowing it. So, you know, through Jane Goodall and Gary Vee and Roy yeah. Yamaguchi, what is like one common thread that connects all these remarkable people? What is one thing that, you think they all share in some way, even though they're so different? Well, they certainly all share hard work and dedication that, you know, none of the remarkable people guests have ever said, oh yeah, I was an overnight sensation. You know, like one day I, I, I picked up a knife and a pot and I was Roy Yamaguchi. Or one day I decided to go figure skating and next thing you know, I'm Christy Yamaguchi. Or one day I started writing a book and the next thing you know, I wrote Handmaid's Tale. Or yeah, one day I went to Africa and next thing you know, I'm Jane Goodall. Nobody says that. And there is no such thing as an overnight sensation. Guy, I want to rewind the clock a little bit. I want to go back to, to when you started out at Apple. Yeah. And you say that your job was convincing people to build software for something with no users, yeah. like no sales, nothing. Yeah. So yeah. from that experience, how does an entrepreneur would say an app with no users or uh, idea with no legs, real legs yet. How how do they like be successful pitching when they just don't have that like a an army behind them? Very few people start off with an army, and, and whether you're Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, or Elon Musk, right? And so the question is, duh. I mean, if you had an army, duh, any any idiot can launch. The question is, how do you do it without an army? And I think that ninety percent of the battle is a great product. So I'm chief evangelist of Canva right now, and we make, well, 
you know, four to five million graphics per day, per day. And at, six years ago, you know, we were like just celebrating when we got a thousand new users a day. Now we get tens of thousands per day. And so now there is a Canva army. So how did we go from signing up a thousand per day to signing up tens of thousands per day? Well, it's because the product is great, duh. And so, you know, the key is make something great and everything else is easy. But if you have crap, it's very hard to evangelize crap. And this kind of sounds like a duhism. You know, people go, take notes. Oh, guy said, make something great. Well, duh. I mean, that's the key. So part of being a chief evangelist is you love the product. You live yes. and breathe the product. So tell me, Guy, have you ever been an advisor or become affiliated with a company you didn't love the product? Yes, and uh, <laughs> those things didn't do well. Now, if you get on a rocket and it happens to take off, trust me, you will come to love it. And so... Let's say that, I don't know, you, you just graduated from college, you know, a computer science degree, and you, know, you get a job at some company that sells, uh, let's say you get a job at the, the Wayfair before it became Wayfair, right? So now you just got your degree in CompSci, you're a programmer at Wayfair, and Wayfair is selling chairs and tables and all that, and it's doing okay. So, you know, you weren't a furniture guy before, you weren't a chair guy before, or a shelf guy, or a lamp guy. You're just a programmer, you went to work for Wayfair. Well, trust me, when I tell you that now, a couple of years later, Wayfair has you know, got a market capitalization of $2 billion, you have 100,000 options, trust me when I tell you, you will love furniture. You will say, I, I just love <laughs> furniture. I love the grain. I love the paint. I love the patina. I love how easy it is to assemble. You will love furniture. Um, so sometimes... Uh, the success comes and you convince yourself to love it. I mean, I can't believe that everybody who works for, you know, Microsoft or Salesforce or, you know, you name a company. I don't, I, I can't believe everybody woke up in the morning saying, God, I just love PowerPoint. I love Word. I love MS-DOS. I love Windows. No, you work at Microsoft and now you look at your option package and you're worth 5 million bucks. Trust me, you will love Windows. You know, I want to go back to the cult following thing. Apple was one of the first companies that had this call following, whether it be, you know, created through those magazines, Mac world, mm -hmm. uh, in, Mac insider. And, you know, I, when I think of like a company in 2020 that has a call following, obviously Apple you know, always mm -hmm. has had one. I think of Tesla. Does that, does that go back to the fact that they just built a superior product or is it also part of the fact that they have Elon as this personality well, being their chief evangelist? You know, the two are, it's 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 kind of impossible to separate the two, right? So let's say you had a you know a really bland, boring kind of guy or gal running Tesla who doesn't go on Joe Rogan and you know smoke marijuana. Um, but but let's say just in this in this hypothetical world, the the Model Three, the Model X, the Model Y, whatever, they're still the same car. It's just as good. Huh, I, I think Tesla would still be successful. Now it may be that someone like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs is necessary 
to have the balls or ovaries to create a Tesla, to think that, yeah, I'm gonna make rockets that are reusable and I'm gonna make solar panels that are, you know, look like tile and I'm gonna go to Mars and I'm gonna build an electric car when no one has been successful in building an electric car. So maybe it takes that kind of personality and, and ego and delusion and, you know, all that to do that. But th there are a lot of egomaniacs who are not Steve Jobs and Elon Musk who think they are visionaries who are clowns. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to separate causation and correlation. And Steve Jobs changed the world, unfortunately passed away early. What, what is one piece of advice that you got from him or just something you learned from him as a well, leader that has stuck with you? <laughs> Well, I learned that your current customers can't necessarily tell you how to revolutionize your product or service. That, you know, if, if you went to the existing Apple customer in the early 80s and said, what would you like? They would say better, faster, cheaper Apple II. Nobody, nobody would say, build me a computer that's graphical user interface with a one button mouse, WYSIWYG display, WYSIWYG printing. They would have said, build me a better, faster, cheaper Apple II. So, Guy, after Apple, you just started to be an advisor to all these companies. Like, it's crazy. Just looking at your LinkedIn, just like advisor, advisor, advisor. I want to know, when you come into one of these startups and you yeah. sit down with them, you're at the table, yeah. you come in, you're Guy Kawasaki, what, like, unique energy do you bring to the conversation? <laughs> like, like, when you think about yourself in these meetings, what do you think, what kind of, like, what angles are you hitting that, other people just typically don't in these well, things. I mean, listen, it's not like I've been 100% successful, okay? So, you know, I've advised a lot of companies that failed. But, you know, well, Canva is extremely successful. It just closed on a round where post money was, you know, six billion bucks or something. Yep. And um, this is called Guy's Golden Touch. So, Guy's Golden Touch is not that I turned Canva to gold. Guy's Golden Touch is Canva was gold, so I touched it. And um, I, I think that what I bring to a company is clear thinking, skepticism, the willingness to challenge people, to you know call a mistake a mistake, to beat the crap out of them, and not not everybody appreciates that or listens. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but man, I'm I'm more right than wrong. So that's what I bring. And but you know people are attracted to me because they think, oh, a guy has, you know, I don't know, eight, 10 million followers on social media, so he can make, he can make it rain. Well, I gotta tell you, you know, uh, social media influencers are not all they're cracked up to be. So I, I wish I could tell, I have 8 million followers or whatever the number is. I wish I could tell 8 million followers, go subscribe to my podcast and 80,000 would actually do that because I don't have 80,000 subscribers. So I wish I could tell 8 million followers to buy my book and instantly 80,000 copies of my book sell. So yeah, maybe Kim Kardashian can say, I like this lipstick, buy this lipstick, and you know, <laughs> 10 million people buy the lipstick, but not Guy. And I would make the case that most social media influencers don't have that kind of clout. And it, you, it took you a long time to build those 8 million. I mean, it goes back it took to me 40 years. <laughs> you can't, yeah, these things take so long to build. Like, yeah. yeah, there's some some successes with these TikTok stars who like overnight become yeah. huge. It's kind of a new concept. All of all media is earned. It's all earned. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So, you know, going back to those failures you mentioned, 
uh, what are some hallmarks of companies that you have worked with that have succeeded? And then what are the ones that have failed? And how do they, how, how, how do they differ? Well, or, or is it just different sure. for everyone? I, you know, I began my career with Apple really, and I ended my career or ending my career with Canva. So, you know, between those two humongous successes, <laughs> there are a lot of failures, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, well, one thing is true in Silicon Valley. I mean, it doesn't matter how how many times you fail. It just me. It just matters that you succeeded once or twice. So yeah, you know, I mean, being affiliated with Apple and Canva, that's a pretty good career. It just took you know thirty five years between the two. But besides that, you know, details are details. Um, so I, you know, between those two, literally, I had you know some singles and some doubles. I never had a home run. I mean it's just not that easy yeah it's not and and canva what attracted you to that business i mean they're killing it right now but they found me they found me because my social media person was using canva to make twitter graphics and they noticed that so they reached out to me it's not like i was so smart i you know i found canva out there in sydney australia because i'm so freaking smart they found me on Canva, like you can create slides. Like I think uh, a lot of the lessons that you've put forth relate to just PowerPoint, the PowerPoint pitch. And you have this rule, it's like 10, 20, 30. Mm-hmm. Could you walk us through like why you think that's the best way to present? And just yeah. like, how can any average Joe improve their, pre- like that aren't podcast well, hosts, that aren't these like, presenters, how can they pr- improve their craft? Well, the Guy Kawasaki 10, 20, 30 rule is that you should have no more than 10 slides in your presentation that you can provide in 20 minutes, an explanation, and the smallest font is 30 points. And it's just my observation that most people have way too many slides and they, you know, they think they have and will get really a good solid hour. And they put so much crap on those slides that in eight or 10 points that nobody can read and nobody can understand. And so if you have a lot of crap in eight or 10 points, you're not going to get through in 20 minutes. And so, you know, I picked 10, 20, 30 because it's easy to remember those numbers. You know, maybe it's 11 26 and 40, right? But this is very hard to remember 11, 26 and 40. So 10, 20, 30 is close enough. Oh, one more thing. You should make your background dark or black. Really? Because you Everyone want- just white. They're wrong. They, you want, okay, think about this. When you go to a movie, not that you go to movies anymore, but when you can go to a movie, watch the credits. Have you ever seen credits where it's black text on white background? Never. And that's because white text on black is easier to read than black text on white. So the same thing is true of a slide. It should be a dark background with a light font. What piece of advice would you give a college student going out into the world in this era, this crazy time? Yeah. What has your, what, would your advice to them be different than the advice you'd give to your 20 year old self in the, you know, the seventies or the eighties? The advice I'd give my 20 year old self is don't quit Apple, but that's a different question. Um, <laughs> so I, I would say that I think that many people just getting out, they think they have to find the perfect job, right? And I think the fact is that over the course of your career, especially if you're a millennial or pandemial, um, is that you're probably gonna have five or 10 jobs in your career. And so, you know, you don't have to pick 
the perfect job the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, or fifth time. Maybe by the sixth or seventh time, you should know what you want. But the first one, Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall got her job with the Leakies in Africa because of her secretarial skills. Now, I'm not trying to tell you all that you should go learn how to type and take dictation. But I am telling you that, you know, this thought that, okay, I'm gonna take the right undergraduate degree, and then I'm gonna go and get into the right career path for the right reason, because you know I'm so outstanding in my field already. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, and if you get a job, yeah, if you get a job because of secretarial skills, but then you get to work for the leakies, or you get to work, you know, your first job at Life Magazine, Trust me when I tell you, man, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, how, it's not how you get in, it's what you do once you get in. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Guy Kawasaki sharing his business wisdom with us all today for a remarkable interview. Really looking forward to being with you guys again on Wednesday with another incredible guest. I hope everybody stays thinking about our future. Stay frosty.